Hey guys, welcome to MAU Talk, a new podcast from MAU Vegas, the premier mobile acquisition and retention summit. On today's episode, we have Josh Liu, Vice President and Commercial Leader at Blizzard Entertainment. Josh is going to be talking to us about mobile gaming launch strategies, as well as what channels can really help you generate success. Take it away, Adam. Josh, thank you for doing this podcast. Welcome. Uh, I have a very strong suspicion that the majority of our, you know, downloaders, listeners, whatever, will know you, or at least know you maybe even from some of the MAU events. But just for good measure, could you speak to um, at least your current role and maybe even the trajectory from Zynga to now? Because that's when we first met maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, my job right now, I'm at Activision Blizzard. Um, I lead uh, the mobile portfolio for, for Blizzard. Um, I also have a second day job as a head of analytics at the moment. Um, my uh, previous life, I spent almost six years at Zynga, where uh, I was our head of growth and then our head of product management. And then uh, I ran a division that makes words of friends, among other smaller titles. So I've been a product manager, growth product manager, basically my entire career. Okay. And in, in your current job, could you just throw out some titles that are sizable on the mobile side? I mean, what, what's like an example? I mean, obviously I know games that they've produced, but like what's big in the mobile world for you? Uh, all of the stuff I'm doing right now is unreleased. So the first ah. game that will come out is a game that we've announced called Diablo Immortal. Um, it is a mobile version of uh, a Diablo game. It's uh, one of our biggest franchises. And then we've got uh, a bunch of other stuff in the works. Wow. Okay. All right, cool. I didn't realize that's awesome. Um, okay. So, Josh, for listeners out there, we compared notes on questions and he had a bunch of stuff to do we wanted to talk about, which sounded cool to me. Um, so first, let's talk about acquisition mix, because normally my conversations with people are very much like, how much you spend on Facebook? How much you spend on Google? Do you do anything else? And like, that is the nature of the acquisition mix conversation. Maybe a rare brand or, or game will be doing some TV you know, and that's like the third meaningful cha uh, channel. So um, as, you, as you think about these new games and launch strategies and stuff, how are you, how, what is your thinking around acquisition mix? I mean, is it gonna be basically the vanilla Facebook ad, you know, blast away strategy, or are you taking a different approach, particularly given the brand, you know, cachet that you're working with? Yeah, totally. I think the way that I think about it is <clears throat> our base strategy is gonna be what you described, which is super performance heavy, all of the networks that you uh, know and love and that we all use. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, we've got some, we've got some tricks up our sleeve when we're working with very large brands and kind of passionate community. And so, you know, as you, as we think about uh, uh, saturating through all those channels, you've got a couple other things available to us that can help unsaturate those channels and keep our scale, our CPIs low and, and, you know, frankly, player, engage, player engagement with our creative high over time. And those are things like, you know, I call them hybrid performance channels. Um, so uh, TV is probably like on, on one end of the spectrum with hybrid performance, like, you know, some direct response TV, you can sort of track and like get a pretty good idea of what it's doing. But, um, you know, we have a ton of content creators that love our games, that interact with our games and that interact with our communities. So like influencers is a really, really big piece of the strategy for us. And, you know, fortunately for us, we've got lots of influencers who want to work with us for free. And uh, there are also mm. folks that, uh, you know, we will pay for, and that's, um, you know, that's sort of like a hybrid performance piece. 
And then if you think about, you know, our games, our games are not like casual games. They are a little bit more niche, passionate community, well-known brands. And so, um, you know, there are other places that we know uh, have uh, a high density of highly qualified, high intent players, you know, places like Twitch or YouTube gaming that, uh, you know, you can do some performance stuff on, but you can also do some, you know, home screen takeover stuff. And that'll also um, generate a lot of high quality impressions. So we're thinking all along that spectrum. And um, is there a large ecosystem of people streaming mobile games? Like, is that a thing or is that not really a thing? There are people that stream mobile games. It is significantly smaller than PC or console, but <clears throat> it's getting bigger. And, you know, we think it's an opportunity. I mean, I, this is the first time in ever where phones can start to handle some of the stuff and that uh, game quality is in a place where streaming it actually makes a lot of sense and would be a good viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When your team, maybe in this context or even in a prior Zynga life, um, how are you going about like even finding the influencer people? Like, is it, would you advise, oh yeah, you find the right agency and you know, you, they, they handle everything and cause there's a billion influencer agencies out there or has it been more of a bespoke internal effort to, you know, build the relationships and the lists and so on? Yeah, we had the fortune of building lots of relationships over a very long time. Yeah. I think if you were just starting out, you know, uh, Agency is one way to go, but I've, I've always believed in, uh, you know, if you, if you have the time and the resources, you know, going out and doing this stuff organically, I find that you can uh, build really interesting relationships with people that last a lot longer, that are perhaps less transactional. And, you know, if you really count on influencers being a part of your acquisition strategy for the very long term, those sorts of, you know, long term, more structured relationships are really useful, right? Because like, you know, if you see, if you see what happens with like, you know, agency work sometimes, especially in games, you'll sign on an influencer. And then because an influencer's uh, financially incentivized by, uh, you know, whatever is new and hot and is paying the money, they will jump. And so influencer loyalty is just a little bit lower on, on when you establish a relationship that way. And so, you know, if you, if you, if you have the resources to do it, you know, finding, doing the work and finding influencers who you think are going to be a really good fit, who are incentivized to work with you for a long period of time and then putting them into a relationship with you, you know, that lasts for a long time and has, uh, you know, interesting things there is, is a good way to go. Do you think that the internal approach at the end of the day is effectively cheaper too, or do you, do you in dollars terms, do you end up in the same spot? I mean, it, it sounds like I mean, obviously you're in a unique circumstance with the games, your titles are working on and stuff, but like, is, is external just equal paying more? Because that, that's basically my assumption, but maybe that's a bad one. It is, it is paying more, but every once in a while, if you do things organically, you'll find you know, an influencer that uh, with an audience and with a content mix that actually is a really great fit and they'll work with you for the long term on perhaps different terms, better terms or you know, sort of long-term terms. Right. And, and if they're in a relationship like that, they can, they can actually generate some content that leads to deeper engagement with the player base. And, you know, that is where the LTV is, you know, frankly, um, yeah. generating installs is fine, but high quality, high intent installs that, that come back and turn and then reactivate, like those are extraordinarily valuable. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you talk about influencer, I mean, I, I know you look at the whole game space. So even outside of your job, are we really talking about YouTube? I mean, that it, it seems like that's where a lot of the performance influencer spend that I hear about is really a YouTube thing. Or are you talking about other like more of the social networky type platforms? I mean, you mentioned Twitch, so I suppose we'll count that one too. Like what? Where is your, where, where should one's focus be, do you think? YouTube and Twitch, basically, yeah. are the two big ones. Is, yeah. is that just because the engagement is deeper? Is that like the whole premise? Or is it like that because there's lots of gaming people there watching streaming stuff? I mean, that's, that's where like gaming content shines best, right? Like, you know, uh, I know, I know Facebook's been trying to do their own gaming thing as well. And certainly in some near future, that might be, uh, you know, big enough where, uh, you know, we can see some real engagement, but, you know, gamers, uh, you know, they want to play and watch games and talk about games. And the best medium for that is going to be, you know, video and yeah. interactive video. Yeah. Yeah. I even heard that, um, we had a, a, an earlier episode, a FinTech thing, but it was basically the same argument, but it's really just, well, you know, in a YouTube context, influencer has two minutes to talk about the thing on Instagram or anywhere else, really, it's going to be like one static photo and like a couple lines of text. So just the level of information you could even convey is quite limited, um, even if there's way more eyeballs, i.e., a 50,000 view video might yield more installs than a you know, million impression Instagram post, basically. Um, okay, all right, cool. So influencer stuff, love it, awesome. Now, a second topic that you said, which I thought was cool, was like um, this idea of, of like platformless or platform agnostic gaming. So first of all, assume that I don't know what you mean, which I don't, like, what do you mean by that? Um, and yeah, how are you thinking about that, I guess? Yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, at the moment, uh, you know, let's say, let's say you have like a video game console, you buy a game for that console and you can only really play on that console, but you know, there are other screens that you have available to you where you could totally interact with that content. We're getting to a place either with cloud streaming or in the future, you know, there's lots of cross-platform games. Riot's been doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, Fortnite is a cross-platform game right. where game developers, I think in the near future, will just focus on making an awesome experience and let, you know, their players choose which screen they want to play on. I think that's the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, that's what I mean by platformless. Got it. And okay. So in a, in a platformless environment, which totally makes sense. I mean, I've played PUBG on the Xbox. I think I played it on the computer. I'm pretty sure I've tried the mobile app. Um, so I guess I'm already doing that to some extent. Um, like, what is that? What are the implications for growth marketing? I guess, since that's kind of our collective background, like even something like attribution seemingly is impossible. I mean, or I guess it's based on surveying. Like what, what do you think about that? So I actually think that the stuff that you and I and probably the listeners know well and love and are good at doing is going to be a massive advantage in a, in a platformless world. Because, uh, you know, to me, if you think about the stack of platforms at the moment, mobile is the most accessible by far. Yeah. It's the one that uh, can generate a ton of installs for you. And those installs can then be upsold into the sort of higher fidelity, bigger screen sort of situations. And so in a platformless world, I actually think that mobile will grow as an acquisition channel for all of games. Right. If, if, 
in some mm. future, all games are available on all platforms. Mobile is going to be the single best way to get an install. And so the stuff that we're doing now, if we get really, really good at it, will actually be an advantage, not just in mobile games today, but just in gaming in general in the future. And that's I what see. I'm really excited about. And if you, if you think about like acquisition in other platforms, like console, uh, you know, you're selling like physical things or like sometimes, you know, digitally through the store, but uh, you know, then you're working with the platforms and there's a the whole thing on PC attribution is really hard because, because of all those, you know, it's, and, but on mobile attribution is pretty good, despite I think what, what, you know, Apple and other, other, other folks are trying to do attribution is largely good. The ad networks are really good at what they do. And, uh, you know, the, the download friction is really low compared to, you know, most other platforms. And so mobile will end up, I think, being the engine that drives all of game growth in the future. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, it, I guess the fundamental assumption therein is that IDFA, iOS 14, SK ad network, all this buzz probably still reduces to something that is significantly more trackable than running TV ads to sell discs in a store. I mean, like, how could it not? That's right. you know, even if they, That's right. even if they make it way worse than it is today, like that seems like a pretty reasonable assumption. Interesting. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. So then my, the, the last big topic that I wanted to cover, cause it, it's sort of in that vein and it's something you've, you and I have spoken about in the past actually is like in your time at Zynga maybe, or, or even elsewhere, uh, the, like the iMessage, F Facebook instant gaming, snap gaming. I know there's other platforms on like WeChat and stuff. Like what has your experience been maybe on each of those, if any, like where did you get to, to the extent you can share, and what is your reading of like where they are now? Maybe you could start with the iMessage piece since I, I know you've done a lot with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the reason why we were so excited about iMessage and Facebook instant and Snap is, you know, from a mobile perspective, it's it's uh, reaching out to a another way to 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 you know get a massive audience. But you know the what we've found in games, both at Blizzard and at Zynga and much of the rest of the industry at this point, is that uh, you know the games, the content is really just a vessel for social experiences, and that the reason people play games for a very long time is because of those social interactions, right? Like you know, Checkers is a game that has been mathematically solved for a very long time, but people continue to play, not because the game is particularly complex or exciting, but because there's asymmetric information, you can see each other's faces, and like, that's the magic of games. And sorry, this is a very long-winded way of saying, that's we, all right. we, saw, we saw these new platforms as a way to uh, generate a ton of social interactions and inject them into our game experiences, right? Like iMessage is an experience where you are, playing with somebody else by virtue of like interacting with them, uh, you know, via text. And it's the same with Facebook and the same with Snap. Um, so we ended up uh, at Zynga doing uh, games for all three of those platforms. We were very, very early. We were launch partners with all three of those platforms. And we found uh, drastically different success on those platforms. And that basically the success boiled down to how ready were those platforms to actually become games platforms? And uh, I'll explain a little bit. So like iMessage ended up being a real challenge. We made the game, but you know, Apple has never really made a social network before. And yeah. so uh, 
they did a couple of things that made it really hard. One was um, just the discoverability of content uh, was really, really challenging. Buried it. I mean, it's impossible. I literally, before we had this conversation, had to remind myself how to find <laughs> that. And I was like, did they get rid of this? And I eventually, I found it in the tray. If you click the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. They made it really hard to uh, do anything social outside of like a one-to-one relationship, right? Yeah. So like if you wanted to do like a group message, it just got really wonky because like, you know, you maybe did something, you played a movie against like, you know, somebody else in checkers, but then like the whole group got a text message. It was like super awkward. So right. uh, I was a really cool idea, but I don't think, you know, Apple was, uh, was prepared to really do anything with it after they had launched it and hadn't thought through and un- really deeply understood what makes games tick and how to support that. Uh, Facebook did a better job. Um, and so we found, we found a lot more success on Facebook. Facebook did a really good job at getting us lots and lots and lots of users and, and installs. And then Facebook did the Facebook thing where they, they went, oh crap, actually by virtue of doing all, you know, getting all these installs, we're generating a lot of games content that people may or may not want to see. And ultimately for Facebook, the feed is king. And so yep. they rolled back a lot of things that they told us they were going to do to help with distribution. Mm. So we did pretty well on Facebook. Um, but again, like, you know, when it came, push came to shove, you know, feed versus this like gaming thing, they chose feed over and over and over. And so the ceiling on that was always a little bit capped. And then, uh, you know, same with snap, you know, snap, uh, was very protective of, um, of their experience, they had the insight that games could actually be a growth engine for them. And to their, to their credit, they actually did a lot more of the thinking uh, behind it than I think Apple or, or Facebook did. Um, you know, but ultimately, they ended up choosing their, their sort of like core experience over games uh, as well. And so uh, you know, we, we launched stuff on Snap. They did fairly well. I mean, certainly they were like profitable and really great experiences for our players and generate a lot of buzz, but um, you know, those, none of those platforms ever reached the true potential of being like the new social gaming platform uh, because they were tied to these other experiences that were king. And do you think, I mean, you got to assume they're going to try again at some point, or do you think that Twitch itself or YouTube itself is the, it just remains basically the social network for gaming and the way you interact with the games, maybe as you said, is platform agnostic, but the community, the communal aspects live like therein. Is that, is that your bet? Or do you think Facebook takes stab number two and, you know, tries again? Which I, Facebook actually think that, I actually think that game developers are taking some of this on. They're making their own games super broad, super social experiences, right? Like the entire genre of battle royales is dumping a bunch of people into an experience and, and just letting them like hang out with each other, interact with each other and do cool things. You know, it's why Fortnite has done incredibly well. It's why Call of Duty Warzone has done incredibly well. It's why there are, you know, games like, you know, Fall Guys on theme that are doing incredibly well. Yeah. And, you know, that's significantly more, more casual than you know, either the two first two games I mentioned. And so, you know, game developers are finally, I mean, I, Battle Royale is the evolution of social interactions and, and when the social interaction happens there, I think people want to engage with it, but they also want to watch it. And so they're watching it on Twitch and YouTube. You know, Twitch is a cool social platform too. It's not like a social network, but the best, the best way to think about Twitch, it's sort of like an, uh, it's like a stadium, you know, back when we were allowed to like watch sports, 
it's like a stadium, right? Like everyone's watching the one thing and there's this chat going on, but nobody's really reading the chat because there's so much like velocity of stuff happening. It's just like screaming in a stadium. Like you don't expect anybody to hear what you have to say. You're just contributing to the atmosphere of the stadium. And so there's like these two layers of social interactions happening on. There's one in the game where uh, game developers have gotten really smart about like making their games really social. And then there's one outside of the game where people are watching and commenting and creating just like this general noise about the game. And that feeling of presence is also super social. That's awesome. Yeah. I was always, for a minute, I was super excited about, well, just, HTML5 gaming in general, but specifically on top of the Facebook platforms. Cause I, I don't know if you were at Zynga in the days of the like Facebook canvas page app stuff, but yeah, that, that was my personal background. So I was like, yeah, I remember you'd have canvas page applications. They would crank up the, the notification volume you could get, or eventually the feed once it existed and the things would go crazy and then they would kill them. But like, clearly if the, if the distribution, was there you could like scale these things like absolutely crazy like Farmville or whatever um and so i thought oh maybe maybe this html5 gaming stuff like maybe it, it's like that again but in a way that's maybe a little bit less spammy and more controlled and it just doesn't feel like like i don't think there's any company out there maybe i'm wrong but like it doesn't feel like there's any company that's like nailed it and is a viable business on those platforms that not that i've seen at least facebook's got the best shot but um but, you know, Zynga sort of ruined the party, like, by, yeah. and, and subsequently everybody else, by saturating the platform with so much game spam, you know, Facebook had to turn everything off and then became super gun shy about, you know, ever creating the conditions again, where, uh, you know, game content distribution could go super viral just because the platform and the feed became so valuable. Yeah. 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 Okay. I want to ask one more question and, and this may be one you don't have an answer for, but as you're thinking about new titles, um, is in-app advertising versus IAP, like, is that, that sort of strategic question part of what you're considering depending on what you're doing or, uh, is, is the advertising piece, like given the nature of these games completely irrelevant and you know, that, that doesn't fit in the, the types of games you're talking about. For for Blizzard, it, it probably doesn't fit, at least for a little while. Um, but I think, you know, I've, I've had experience on both sides of this, right? Because, like, you know, the Blizzard games are very sort of, like, IAP-focused or will be right. very high IAP-focused. You know, the last game that I, I ran, Words with Friends, um, you know, before I joined was, you know, 90 for, 95% uh, ad ref. And when I joined the team, we made the decision as a leadership group, hey, you know, it's probably not good to be so dependent on ad rep, right? Like Google was doing some weird stuff with limiting the amount of tags you could do that was, you know, limiting the upside on the ad revenue that we're getting. And so we actually went about and, and created from scratch an IAP economy in Words of Friends. It took us two years and we were able to, uh, we were able to basically add 25%, almost 25% of incremental revenue that was just from IAP and it was very painful and very, very hard. But now I think that game's in a much better place from like a, from a revenue mix perspective. I imagine that in some future IAP dominant game will want to fortify their revenue mix with stuff. And like, you know, even for super core games, uh, you know, incentivized like rewarded video can be a really great experience. We ran experiments at Zynga 
and uh, you know, in our broader sort of like company portfolio with rewarded ads and found that in, in some cases you could actually increase retention because mm. what you're doing with rewarded ads is allowing people who will never spend the ability to get some premium stuff just by interacting with an ad for you. Right. And the tuning of that is extraordinarily difficult. And, you know, we have to be really careful not to mess up the economy of the games, but um, you know, there is some near future where, you know, we might consider that uh, as a, an additional revenue stream. I love it. Okay. Josh, this was spectacular. If someone wanted to follow you, let's say Twitter blog posts. I mean, I know you've done some writing over the years, but like what LinkedIn, I guess, like what's your, what's your, platform of, of choice? Uh, LinkedIn's the best way. I'm like full on just deep in making games at the moment. Uh, I've got a bunch of uh, half written blog posts that I haven't published yet. Uh, you can, uh, at some point in the future, you can check them out at josh.lu. Um, but for now, it's LinkedIn. Okay. All right. LinkedIn. Well, Josh, thank you. This was spectacular. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thanks for joining us. You can find Josh's blog and LinkedIn information in this podcast description or at MAUVegas.com. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you on the next episode of MAU Talk.